You're listening to the Run the Riot podcast, where we talk about all things ultra running. I'm your host, David Terrio, and man, I'm pumped that you are here. Let's see what we can get into today. Hey there, my friends. Just want to let you know about something new I've got going on here at Run the Riot Podcast and Coaching. It's a newsletter. It's a weekly newsletter. And what it's going to be, man, is just a quick nugget here and there every week about something to do with training, nutrition, links to the latest podcast episode, and some motivation. You know, kind of just what's going on in my head and things that I think might help you in your running journey and in life. Like I said, don't worry. I'm not going to spam you. It's not going to be long. If you just go to news.runtheriot.run and uh, just subscribe right there. News.runtheriot.run and check it out. The Run the Riot podcast is brought to you by the Outlaw Race Series. You need to check these guys out at www.outlaw100.com. There are a ton of races and they're all fantastic. First of all, in January, there's Winter Rock with distances 25K and 12K. In February, the flagship of the Outlaw 100 Race Series, the Outlaw 100 in Wilberton, Oklahoma, with distances from 135 miles all the way down to the 5K. Prairie Spirit in March in Ottawa, Kansas. Distances 100 miles down to 50K. Lake McMurtry in April in Stillwater, Oklahoma. 100K down to 5K. The Greater Roadrunner Trail Run at Roman Nose State Park in Watonga, Oklahoma in May. Distances 4 to 12 miles. And then the Flower Moon in Pawhuska also in May from 50 miles all the way down to 4 miles. Then there's the Dark and Dirty in July in Wilburton, Oklahoma. There's a 50K all the way down to 5K, and you can run trail or gravel. Then there's the Honey Badger 100 also in July. 100 mile and 50 mile. That's a hot one on pavement. Fun. (laughs) Then there's a Flat Rock in Independence, Kansas. Distances 101 mile all the way down to 12K. That's in September. In October, we've got the Kansas Rails to Trails Extravaganza in Ottawa, Kansas. 100 mile all the way down to half marathon. And last but certainly not least, the Thunderbird in Norman, Oklahoma in November. 100K all the way down to 5K. These are great trail runs put on for ultra runners, by ultra runners. Guys, you will get taken care of if you go do these races. You'll get awesome medals, amazing buckles, and some nice swag. Check them out at www.outlaw100.com. All right, today on the Run the Riot podcast, we've got Jody Seminel. How you doing? I am good, David. How are you? I'm doing well. You don't look tired. <laughs> I was thinking you might look tired. I mean, I know it's been a little while since you just finished your last big accomplishment that we'll get to, but you look you look fine. You look great. I have a run for a week, so. <laughs> oh, okay, you had a week off. You had a week to co- to recuperate. Yeah. Nice, yeah. nice. Well, I have to say, so, you know, I like to do a little digging, you know, beforehand. I just want to, you know, to look at some things. And and, uh, you and I have two things in common I'm going to get to in a second. But one of the things that I have to make note of is you, you guys, you ladies in Nebraska are beasts. (laughs) So you, you hang around with Mindy Kuhlman, who we've had on the podcast before. And, and like, she just, she just finished Lake Superior 100 miler for like the sixth time, I think. Yeah. And you guys are just like tearing it up everywhere. It's crazy. She is. I'll be where I'm at. She'll be. The only reason I wasn't out there this weekend is because I had taken two weeks off of work for uh, the run across Nebraska. Otherwise, yeah, I'd be in Minnesota right now with her. 
Yeah, well, when I saw that and I was thinking, because you're usually together, and I, I was thinking, I was like, what? but then I figured, yeah, she, she's got some recuperating to do. So he, here are the two things that I, that I noticed when I was, of course, I was looking at your ultra sign up. You and I, we both did Western States in 2019. We were both on the course together. I didn't realize that. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's super cool. Yeah, yeah, we both had a had. It looks like we both had a good days out there, and uh, you know, it's just a big. It's just big to be able to get on the course out there. Oh. Yes, it was so exciting. Yeah, yeah, I, that 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 was awesome, and I hope I hope I get to get my name drawn again. You know, at some point in time. Yeah. Yeah, and then also, you and I were both in Moab in 2020, except we had very different experiences. So, oh. you finished, I didn't. Yeah. So. Oh. Okay. <laughs> so, 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 so we'll talk about that because I'm going back next month. And so we'll, we'll, we'll get, we'll get there, but I need some help. You know, you give me some, you can give me some input because you and these desert races seem to love each other for some reasons. Yeah. All right. All right, Jody. So, so are you originally from Nebraska? Not really. Actually from Iowa. So, okay. but yeah, I went to high school in Sloan, Iowa, went to college in Vermilion at University of South Dakota. Okay. Uh, lived in Iowa for a few years. I actually went to Houston for a couple of years, but I've been in Omaha for, gosh, tw- 22 years now, I think. Tell me about like your, your athletic background. I mean, did, did, did you always run or anything like that? Or did you do any sports? No, I did not. I was the kid in high school who partied and started smoke at the age of 14 uh, I was the opposite of an athlete all through high school and college. I always, you know, would see people running and thought, God, that looks fun. But, you know, when you smoke, it, it's hard to, to run. So you just kind of watch them, you know, when you drive by in the car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that, so what got you to start, you know, start running? Like where, where did that, where did all this craziness come from? So he had done, you know, 5K, 10K here and there. I had done actually a half marathon in 2011 and I wasn't really good. I wasn't really training for it. I, and I signed up for two other people. The other two people were going to walk this half marathon and I was going to run it. So I got done before they did. I'm literally sitting at the car with my bib still on, smoking cigarettes from the curb, waiting for them to come back to the cars. <laughs> nice. Like, you know, it kind of looked fun, you know, I'll try it out. So I did my half marathon. Well, then that year, so it was Christmas 2011, my biological father passed away of lung cancer mm. at the age of 60. So he yeah. was quite young. And then that's when I said, you know what? I, I've been smoking for 25 years now. I have three kids. I don't want them to, you know, see me living this unhealthy lifestyle and, you know, dying early of lung cancer. So that's when I decided I'm going to quit and I'm going to sign up for a marathon. So I registered for the Lincoln Marathon. It was like a week later, registration opened up and the marathon was in May of 2012. So I ran my first marathon and, you know, it, it was under five hours. So it wasn't horrible for yeah. your first marathon, but it was so much fun. And I was just instantly addicted. And I liked 
that I had a goal on the weekends where I had to get up in the morning and had to go run. So I couldn't go out at night drinking beer, smoking cigarettes, making bad decisions. It was a change of lifestyle once I running and started running marathons and, you know, running every day. It was just completely different way of life. So, I mean, uh, yeah, so this is kind of, it's kind of cool. And we, you know, you hear that story a lot and some people it's, it's because they're, they're, they're getting in shape or, and they just basically kind of trade, I mean, trade addictions, but you know, for you, it was, it was cigarettes and, and then to, to running, but what a, what a great addiction. What a, what a healthy addiction, you know? I trade in one for another. And I ran several marathons over the years and I kept getting injured, which it seems like a lot of new runners do because yeah. you run like marathon pace every run. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I was doing. And I was always getting injured and I, I was never really getting any faster. Um, but that's when I started doing ultra running, I actually did get faster because you do slow down. Yeah. So I have gotten fast, faster since then, but, um, yeah, I definitely started with with marathons. Um, it was kind of the the gate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's my story too. You know, marathons and do a bunch of marathons, and you, you hear this. So, did, what what got you? Like, did you where'd you hear about trail running and ultras? So it was actually, I don't know, probably my third stress fracture. My doctor, if you ever thought about running on dirt, you know, maybe try trail running, and like, oh, that sounds horrible. That's <laughs> and slow and God, no. So I signed up for the Hitchcock 50 in 2015. Having never been there before, I thought, okay, this race is in Iowa. It's probably, you know, I don't know, David, if you've ever heard of it, it's got more vert than Leadville race does. If you were to do 50 miles at Leadville versus 50 miles at Hitchcock, it has more vert than Leadville. Okay, I knew, I, I was laughing because I knew it wasn't flat, but I nope. didn't realize it was that much. Like 200 feet per mile. So I'd signed up for the 50 in 2015, like I said, having never gone out there. And then I finally went out there, I don't know, four or five months before the race. Like, oh my God, this, this isn't even running. <laughs> what have I done? Ah, this was a horrible idea. You can't do miles out here. So I started training out there once or twice a week, and there were always other people out there running too. So I never really had to run alone. Whereas with the marathon training, you know, you get up four thirty-five in the morning, you run by yourself, come home, get ready for work, go to work. And this was just completely different. Like nobody was looking at their pace. They were just out there, and they were just very inclusive. And it was. It was fun and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. So, gosh, maybe a month before the race, I thought, you know what? There's other bozos like me that signed up for this race that have no idea what they're in for. I'm going to switch to the 100 because nice. getting into <laughs> and all these other people that signed up, they don't know until they get here what they're going to be in for. So I ended up switching to the 100, my first 100-mile race, like a month out. And I didn't tell my parents because they were already worried about their daughter running a 50-mile race <laughs> in Iowa. Yeah, I ended up uh, going out running the 100, and I just had a blast. And they were doing 
updates on Facebook. And of course, my mom is watching on updates on Facebook. And they mentioned, you know, 100 mile female coming through. And she's like, oh, my God. Love it. Why is she doing the 100? And <laughs> I learned so much that day because, I mean, switching from road running to ultra running is completely different. Yes. I, I didn't know what salt tabs were. It was around... I don't know, mile 50, somebody said, hey, let me look at your hands. And I showed her my fingers and like, you couldn't see my veins or anything. And she said, well, how much salt have you had? And I just kind of gave her a blank stare. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I've just got my pockets full of booze. I yeah. wasn't eating real food. You know, all those things we do when we do our, our first hundred mile race, we have no clue what we're doing. Yeah. But yeah, I did it out and it was so much fun. And I was instantly like, okay, this is my thing. I don't want to do marathons anymore. I want to do these hundred mile ultra distances. This is where I have fun. You drank the Kool-Aid and you went in. I yeah. down the Kool-Aid that day. It was awesome. Well, and I made, I made note on here because I was looking through your ultra sign up and, and you, you, you really fell in love with, especially not only trail running, but Hitchcock, because you've been back yeah. a bunch of times. And as far as I saw, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I didn't comb it, but you've podiumed every time you've been out there, right? Every time but once. Gretchen, I can't, can't remember her last name. She actually won Superior this weekend. She oh, beat wow. me. Okay. But yeah, I have an advantage because I train out there like two or three times a week. Right. But you still put, well, I saw that one, but you still podium. Like you just play second. I did. Right? Okay. All right. All right. I just want to make sure everybody knows like you've won every time you've been out there. How many times has it been? So if you count the COVID year, so yeah. I did there and run it, the race was canceled, but I went out there and ran it alone anyway in a blizzard. Crazy person. <laughs> oh, that day. But if you count when it would be eight times that I've done. Nice. Now, I've, I heard that one can get, you said, you know, COVID year in a blizzard. It, it can get pretty, pretty frigid out there, right? Yeah, it's been below zero during the race. We've gotten several inches of snow the day before and the day of the race. I think it was 2021. We all had to wear either like the crampons or put the, the spikes and, and screws in your shoes in order to uh, do the race. Wow. It kind of takes a beating on the bottoms of your feet because, you know, that's, yeah you know, a little tough. But yeah, it's a really challenging race. And it's got between twenty and 21,000 feet of gain in the hunt. Sweet. It's, how, many, how many loops is it? It's a looped course. So it is. Up to this point, it's been eight 12 and a half mile loops. This year, they've actually added some new trails out at Hitchcock. So you mentioned Mindy. Mindy is the one that uh, designs the course. So she's going to try to make the loops longer. Nice. So potentially be six loops, which is good because having eight loops is eight opportunities to walk into the lodge that is and has all these friendly faces, you know, and everyone's, you know, all bundled up and nice and warm and rest. And that's eight hours to stop. So yes. <laughs> the the longer loops, I think, will help the finisher rate because it, it, it doesn't have a very high finisher rate. I don't know if it's ever been over 50%. Maybe in the last year or two it has, but it had a pretty low finisher rate. Wow. And you think, I mean, well, vert, vert and cold. I mean, both of them. Essentially ice and snow, mud. Yeah. Yeah, and you're not moving uh, because of the vert. You're not moving as fast as you potentially could, and so probably get cold. Durr. Yeah, 
be out there. Uh, a lot of it on is on the ridge line, so the winds can be biting yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, but it's fun. See, it's fun. It's fun. I love it. It's like it's rough, man. It's cold, but it's awesome. It's awesome. Yes. <laughs> Oh, so, so you did that and then you decided, you know, this was your thing. And so well, here, here's what, okay. I didn't put this together till we were talking about it. I, I was looking over, you know, your ultra sign up. Hitchcock was your first, you know, ultra experience cold and, and you've been back there every year. But as I said, before we started recording or, or earlier, you, you love the desert races. It looks like, and you thrive on those boogers, man. So wh what's the deal? <laughs> so I prefer the heat. I will admit I prefer the heat. I run Hitchcock every year because it's here. Yeah. And it was my first hundred. And, you know, the support there is amazing. And I feel like I'm close enough now to 10 finishes that I'm going to have to do it every year. So I only have to do it two more times and then maybe I'll retire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so sounds good. <laughs> We'll see. I don't know. There's not many hundred mile races in the winter, so it's it's timed well, close to home, yeah. my training ground. So yeah, it's awesome. I love it out there. Yeah, yeah. That, that's all. So and and not only do you like the desert courses, though. And I was looking. You you cho you don't you you don't choose easy races from what I can see. And so why is that? Why why are you? I I, I just one of the first ones that popped up. I'm looking at it, the Bear 100. I was like, what? That's that's a tough yeah. race. <laughs> so like what 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 makes you what draws you to that stuff? The challenge, the difficulty. It's 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 hard to put into words the way my brain works. I mean, but as ultra runners, we don't do this because it's easy. So I'm kind of you know, the bigger the challenge, I don't know if more fun is the right word, but the more rewarding, you know, crossing the finish line is. Yeah, because living in Nebraska, we don't have mountains. We don't have elevation and altitude. And altitude is definitely something that I struggle with. I only often get sick with it. Same. Yeah. it's. I wish there was a way to, to train for it. But yeah, just I just like to do hard things. Yeah. That, well, that's a, I love like, you know, Colorado is about 10 hours from here and I love racing there and stuff. And I'm like, compared to how well I can do well here and I, I suck at it in Colorado, but I love it, you know. Exactly. It, it, it's a challenge. So, so you, 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 you branched out and, you know, like, okay, tell me about your experience. You know, so you, you got Hitchcock, you know, you did that. And then you go, you go start doing these other races, like for the bear 100, what was your experience like for that? Oh gosh. So the bear, that one was what they termed the bipolar bear. I don't know if you heard about that. No, I, I didn't hear that one. Oh, so it was great until about midnight like it was kind of misty it wasn't super hot sun wasn't beating down on us and then at midnight it was like lightning struck and the wind picked up and the rain came down and the hail came down and snow it just the trail turned to slop yeah. if you didn't have trekking poles you probably weren't going to stay upright and probably weren't going to finish but yeah, we were ankle deep in mud and rain from midnight till probably the finish of the race. So it was two very different races. I think that was 2019 was the year of the bipolar bear. Okay, uh, yeah, that's what I was looking at. I was like, oh my gosh, because it's already a tough race. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's definitely a tough race. But yeah, add all that snow, mud, cold, ice, water. Yeah, it was insane. 
All right. And then, uh, you know, yeah, 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 part, part of the, part of the deal, you know, part of what you signed up for, you wanted a tough race. Well, here's, here's an extra tough race. You know? <laughs> and then, you know, you jumped into, I'm looking here and like, so just to, chronologically, I see Hitchcock and I, I see your next hundred miler was, was run rabbit. Was that your next one? Yeah. Yeah. In Steamboat Springs. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. That was a tough one too. That one goes out of elevation. So it's tricky because you go up and then you start almost feeling like you have pneumonia and you're like, oh gosh, I'm getting sick. And then you come back down. It's like, okay, well now I feel great again. And then you venture back up. It's like, oh my God, I'm dying again. And then yeah. you go back. So it really messes with your body going in and out of elevation like that. So one of the things I'm noticing besides that you pick hard races is when I scroll down, I don't see any DNFs. And so what, what do you do? I mean, cause all of these races are tough and I'm sure you go to dark places, experience the tough times. What keeps you, uh, keeps you pushing? What keeps you moving forward? What do you, what, what kind of meant, what kind of like, I'm asking for myself here and learners, what kind of mental gymnastics are you doing? What are you telling yourself? You know, what is really good about my brain is I do not go to those dark places. Really? No, it's the strangest thing, which I'm not complaining about it. It's, I'm, I'm glad that I don't, but just, I feel like I'm lucky to be out there. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt a lot. I might not feel well, but I know it's temporary. It's, it, you know, I'll feel better. So it just, it's never brought me down and I've just been lucky to not have those dark thoughts. It's just, it's just never an option. It's like, this is my job. This is, this is what I'm doing today. I like that. Cause you know, and I've gone to, you know, I tell, tell people anytime you run our ultra, you know, most people go to some place where, okay, why am I doing this? What's, you know, and all that. And, and we have to force ourselves to start thinking, okay, I get to be here. I am blessed. I can move. I can, you know, you just sound like you're blessed with a brain that just kind of, all right, it sucks, but I'm blessed to be here. You know, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> just Somebody once called me a old, I can't remember what the TV, oh, Ted Lasso. I guess there's a, a Ted Lasso episode where he mentions that you need to be like a goldfish. When I guess they have no memory, like they have like two second memory or something like that. So I, no, I just don't remember the, the crappy parts of a race or the crappy parts of a run because I'm, I'm a goldfish. I guess I'm old. <laughs> I, I, I'm just lucky that my brain works that way. No, that's great. I mean, that's fantastic. And, and, and I think after a race, we forget, like you, you named, you know, like bear, you said, Oh, it was, it got, you know, slushy. It got, you named it as facts. And we all kind of do that. And like, yeah, it was tough, but we, it's kind of like, I, well, I assume like childbirth where, you know, you forget the pain because you, it's terrible, but then you have another one. So, you know, yep. kind of the same thing, like that was the worst race ever. And then you sign up for another one, you know? It's like, Yeah. You're on your way home from the race. Like, okay. I'm sign up what what race okay so you 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 do in these hundreds you do in these tough hundreds and then then you decide 100 miles is is not enough and you decide that for some reason to sign up for 200 miles and let me get this right your first 200 miler was that across the years you decided on a i'm gonna do 200 miles on a looped course on a so i was originally I was signed up for Tahoe 200 in 2020. Okay. So I thought I would do across the years 200 because you didn't really need a crew. You didn't need pacers. So you could just kind of test 
things out and see if your body could handle 200 miles, kind of like how your how your stomach goes, if yes. you're feeling well, all those kind of things. So I signed up for that more as a test to see if I could do that distance. And I did, but I did end up in the hospital once I got back to Omaha, had some pretty bad stomach issues, know what the diagnosis was, sometime, some kind of gastro something. Okay. But I was in the, the hospital for a few days after that. And basically what it came down to is I was not eating and my stomach, I guess like the lining or something kind of scabs up when you, when you go without eating for a long time. So now I'm very aware, even though, and that's, that's a struggle for most people that do ultra running is eating while you're running. It's just really hard to do. So I just gave up on it the last day of across the years and I ended up getting really sick from it. So that was a little experience. So then. Of course, COVID hit and Tahoe was canceled in 2020. So I, I was trained for it. I was ready to go. So I jumped on the wait list for Moab and I, you did that one too. Some of it. So, yeah, so I did end up doing Moab instead of Tahoe. And then I um, registered again for Tahoe in 2020. And then it was canceled again because of the fires. And then in 2022, they pushed it from September to June and I was already signed up for Covacadona. So I haven't been able to do Tahoe yet, but I, mm. I have the hat and the sweatshirt and the bag and all the swag for Tahoe. Yeah, <laughs> you, have- well, you did the virtual though, didn't you? Did did. December. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's cool. So you did, you got to, ver- <laughs> you got to run 200 miles and to earn the swag. <laughs> Well, so I did, I did Tahoe in, in 2018 and yeah, you need to get out there. Hopefully you can get out there. It is, it's beautiful. It's, it's, you know, it's yeah. tough, but it's, it's, it's a gorgeous course, man. I love it out there. It's awesome. Yes. I hope to soon. And of course, Bigfoot. Yeah. There's just so many good races to do and so many more 200s are being added that it's, it's hard to decide which ones to do. I know. And, and now we're getting, you know, in, there's some in Nebraska, there are some in Kansas, you know, coming up. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm on for the Kansas crazy train that, that kind of goes in with Prairie Spirit in March. So oh, good. Yeah. So my for you, because I've done a flat 200 across the years is train flat. Got it. Can't <laughs> train and hit back for yeah. flat, halfway through across the years, um, because I had it was like two weeks after the Hitchcock hundred I did across the years and I had not been training flat. So halfway through, I was literally like picking up my legs to cross the timing mat after every loop because I, you don't change muscles. Yeah. Those flat races. So you, your body needs to be used to it. <laughs> yeah. I've done, you know, and I've done the the hundred out there a few times on that flat course and it, you're, it is so different. I mean, yeah, yeah you gotta, you gotta get that repetitive motion because being able to slow down power hike, use different muscles is, is good. And so, yeah, I'll, I'll be training pretty, pretty flat. <laughs> I have to. Yeah. So no, that is crazy though. And across the years, you know, like you said, we all deal with stomach things. And you did, I just want to point out, you didn't say anything, but you were first in the 200 out there. First, first overall, right? Yes. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. What was, was it worth the hospital stay? Yeah, it's always worth it. Yeah. I've ended up at the hospital a few times after race. 
Yeah, it was worth it. <laughs> okay. But I, you seriously, though, I haven't heard of, you know, we all deal with stomach stuff, but I haven't heard of your stomach lining, you know, scabbing over or something like yeah. that. That's, that's pretty I, wild. Gosh, what did he ad advise taking? It's Prilosec, I think it's something for heartburn. Yeah. It's supposed to help prevent that from happening. I've just tried to be better about, you, yeah. you know, just putting something in my stomach so that it's not sitting empty for hours yeah. during a race. But yeah. especially, especially in the longer races. So, so just to share with you, like since we had, you know, we both, we both were at the starting line at, at Moab in 2020 and my, my stomach went so south and, and looking back, it was that, it was that green stuff they had for electrolyte mix. I won't name it, but I trained with it, but not in the heat. And man, my stomach just started and I got dehydrated. It was on that long section where there's four miles and a water station. And then you got 19 miles and I had like 20 ounces of water for 19 miles in the, oh, in no. the yeah, it was terrible. And, and so my stomach got so sideways and I couldn't at Indian, whatever village aid station at 70 something, I could not regroup. I couldn't keep anything down. And I was 50 shades of green. <laughs> and my wife's like, you're done. <laughs> Look, looking back though, I had time though. I wasn't timed out. And so like this time I'll have to time out, you know, like I should have just slept and I was, you know, 70 miles in, you're not, you know, I had time and I, I should have just waited because I've seen people come back from the dead. I've come back from the dead before. So this year I'll just, just, I'm not in a hurry this year. I, I was trying to race that year. So, you know, I'm just going to go and take what my body gives me and, yep. you know, try to get it done, get off my back. <laughs> yeah. Definitely like a good plan. So, so with these desert races, let me ask you, what, what kind of things are you eating? What, what, what works for you? What are you, what are you drinking electrolyte wise? And what are you eating to keep you going? So I have found that naked juice has been a good calorie replacement for me. Mindy may have mentioned that too. She, she, I got that idea from her. Yeah. So I drink a lot of naked juice and then a lot of liquid IV, which in, you can find it almost anywhere now. It's pretty popular in any flavor. Yeah. I can chug down a liquid IV every couple hours and drink naked juice every uh, every hour or two, and that would be sufficient. But I'll also try to like spring gels. Awesome sauce is always my favorite because yeah. that has a uh, good, good amount of calories. Yep. Honey stinger chews, scratch chews, scratch electrolytes sometimes, but... Real food is hard. I try during the 200 mile distances to maybe eat a cheeseburger because that's got, you know, fat, protein, carbs, best thing for you. Yeah. Sometimes it's doable. Sometimes there's just not enough saliva in your mouth to swallow anything. Yes. But yeah, that's usually what my go-to's. No, that's pretty good. I, I've done, I've toyed around with where I've played with a mix of a, like a ch a cherry juice, apple juice, and a, one other juice. And I've kind of made my own naked juice before and counted the calories. And that worked oh, out yeah. pretty well. Uh -huh. um, naked juice, what do you do? You just, you have the bottles at the aid stations or you just pour it in a bottle or in a flask or something? Yeah, I'll chug it in an aid station. I always get like, it's the machine, like blue machine, red machine, rainbow machine. They all seem to have the highest calorie content. But yeah, I'll usually just, depending on the size, I'll chug a whole one or a half one um, every time I roll into the aid station. And if I have room in my pack, you know, maybe I'll shove the rest of it in my pack, carry it out with me. But for the most part, I just chug it so I can just focus on one foot in front of the other as I'm running. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, are you, and while you're running, you're just, you're doing, you're just like your, your liquid IV or, or in water, something like that? 
Well, actually, chug the liquid IV in the aid station okay. too. Okay. And then you just Make do sure water? It, I, yeah, yeah. Just usually water. Sometimes I'll mix it up and throw a bottle of scratch in my pack. But yeah, for the most part, it's just water okay. while I'm out, not in an aid station. Okay. So do, do you do many, I mean, do, do you save just gels for between aid stations and stuff? Or you just, for more, yeah. don't do a whole lot? or? No, I do. I try every hour to get in like 200 calories. Okay. So if it's going to be three, four hours between aid stations, I'll have three or four packages of chews or gels on me between aid stations. When, when I did a Tahoe in 18, you talked about the cheeseburgers. I had che every, just about every aid station. I was like, cheeseburger. But Cheeseburger. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Those things were fantastic. I, they probably tasted like garbage, but for me, they were heaven, man. They were so good. <laughs> Coke is the best thing during a race, too. That's the only time Coke sounds good is is during a race. Yeah, I do the same thing because it, it's like it's, it's rocket fuel. You know, you get the sugar. Yeah. And I, I don't drink Coke normally, hardly ever. But at an ultra, all, all bits are off. Yep. That and I will have fill my flask with Coke. You, you've got to like release the air once in a while. Otherwise it's going to explode in your face, but you end up with flat Coke. But yeah, it's, it's like good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to end up in the middle of the desert with a sticky Coke face because <laughs> you're already nasty, you know? Yeah. I'm surprised that hasn't happened to me yet. Cause actually it was last year, the last 40 miles, that's all I had was Coke. Anything else I would vomit. Yeah. So yeah, Coke got me through 40 miles at Avalinas. <laughs> nice. Well, and, and I can relate because toward the end of a lot of hundred mile races, especially, especially at night or whatever, it's, it's Coke and then like chicken, chicken broth or ramen, you know, that's, mm -hmm. that's what works on my stomach real well. Uh, do you do, you do a lot of broths or anything like that or it doesn't work for you? Right. I, I wish I could do better with the broths because I know it'll off, you know, all this sweetness stuff. Another thing that I do like too are the little baby Starbucks double shots. I can't remember what they're called, but they're like this big, just some little cans. They're like yeah. 140 calories at night because you get a good dose of caffeine. So I do, I do the girly ones, the Frappuccinos. In fact, in fact, at Western States, right before I crossed Rocky Chucky, my wife had, I had, I had a, it was, this one was over 200 calories and it goes down so good, man. And I don't normally, I mean, I like them, but I don't normally buy those. But for a race, man, that, that sugar, the caffeine just, and it goes down great. Like uh, my stomach can be all jacked up and yeah. I'll chug it and it's good. <laughs> yeah. Good. Hey, it works. Yeah, that's it. Exa exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. So, you know, looking through here and I forgot, you know, we didn't even, you, you did, you did Leadville, you know, altitude. How'd you handle altitude at Leadville? Because all of it is high altitude. Yeah, it did not go well. I got really sick due to the altitude. I don't know, probably starting around mile 60, 70. Like I had to stop and really focus on just getting a gel in and keeping it in and mm. not coming back up. And then like have anybody make me laugh because then I would just cough and cough and cough because you get like that pneumonia, some kind of edema in your lungs. Yeah. Yeah, so the altitude got treat me well out there. I finished in the golden hour, but yeah. I did at least finish. <laughs> hey, you got it done. That's a tough, that's a tough race, man. And and just the fact that you, you got it done and yeah, you had 20, 20 minutes and 50 seconds to spare. <laughs> Cutoffs are tight. People go out to Leadville and you tell them, okay, just, you know, don't mess around the aid stations because 
there's no time to mess around. They don't believe it until they're out there like, oh my God, I was chasing cutoffs the whole time. Like that a lot of people do. Yes, but the first first half is tight. I mean, you get a little reprieve, but by the time you get reprieve, yeah. you're tired. <laughs> yeah, like two trips up and down Holt Pass, like, okay, <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if I can keep this up. Exactly, exactly. Well, and then, you know, you've got all these others, but you, the Cocodona, you know, you decided, did was that the first, did you do Cocodona its first year? I did, yes. Okay, so you saw that in like, Desert. 250 miles, I'm in. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So my first Cocodona didn't go super well. Okay. I lost one of my crew slash pacers, like, during the race. Like, she was supposed to fly out on Tuesday, and she ended up not coming. Oh, man. So I had to share crews with another runner. And then my bib number was 14. All of my drop bags went to eight station 14. So I didn't have drop bags the first five or six eight stations. And then, oh, and I fell at mile five and split my knee wide open. And there was not a medic in an aid station until I think it was like mile 36. So when I got there, like, oh, yeah, you need stitches and. Well, you can probably wait till you get to Flagstaff. Like, well, I'll just wait then. So they wrapped it up, sent me on my way. So every time I went to the aid station, my bandage is falling off and I got blood everywhere. So I'd have to get it, you know, rebandaged every time. And I did actually go to the ER after the race to get stitches. And they're looking at me like, what day did you do this? Because <laughs> this was on Friday. And like, I like, yeah, we can't do stitches now. It's too late. So anyway, my donut did not go well at all. Um, so I went back again the following year for redemption, and it, it went a lot better that year. There was the slight change at the beginning. So the first year of Cocodona, the first 36 miles, I believe, had 10,000 feet of climbing. The following year, because of the fires, we had to start further north. And so we didn't have all that climbing. So the first 36 miles were a lot faster than the first year, just for that reason alone. Yeah. But yeah, all my pacers were there this time. All my crew was there. All my drop bags were where they were supposed to be. So it went a lot better this the second Coca Don. Oh, man. And then so, last year, well, which yeah. would Mindy did it. I was able to go out with her and crew and pace her. And then next year for 2024, she and I are doing it together. Yes, We're gonna I love that. We're going to stick together. <laughs> that's that's going to be cool. I was going to bring that up because I remember watching as, as you know, when Mindy was doing it and you were, you were crewing, we were following along and that, that it's cool to, you know, she could lean on your experience and, and everything and, and get it done. And she had a, she had a fun time. It looks like. <laughs> and she, so I, I shared my experiences with her. I was like, okay, so we need to make sure you have bigger shoes as the race goes on because your feet are going to swell. Yeah. Got to bring lots of socks. You're going to change your socks a lot because you're going to get blisters. It's like, nah, it, I've never had that problem before. Sure enough, her feet swelled. <laughs> she <laughs> ran out of socks. We had laundry mat, wash your socks. So, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah it, it was fun actually being inside of it with her, with her running and then me just supporting her. That's cool. That that'll be fun for you guys to to get out there and and you know, just spend spend some time together <laughs> suffering. <laughs> 
Yes, be silly, fascist, and we wear our matching shorts everywhere we go. Nice. So we'll have to get matching shorts. Nice. That that's awesome. When you know, and and <laughs> yeah, that that that'll be that'll be fun. I mean, the 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 memories and everything, and to go, you know, that first year you went, and it's kind of funny because we, you know, we go out there and we suffer, and we're like, I want to, you know, I want to go out there and have things happen better and and do it again, you know. So the first, my second hundred mile or longer, I was thinking about this this week for some reason. My phone was stolen when I went in the bathroom of of a casino to change. It was before one hundred and. 26 miler on the levee in Louisiana from Baton Rouge to New Orleans. I put my phone down and I changed and I walked out and I was like, ah, my phone. I ran back in and it was gone. And so this is like 20 minutes before the race, maybe a half an hour. And so my mind was like, and this is my, you know, for work and every, you know, and I'm just like, oh crap. And this is how I was going to communicate with my crew. And, and my, my dad was like, oh man, like this is bad. And, and, and I was able to flip a switch and I didn't know it was there, but I was, my dad's like, well, here, just take my phone and then I'll call your moms. And I was like, is this okay? Is this good? You know? And so I had my dad's old funky iPhone because <laughs> it always had the latest and greatest at the time where I was working. And, uh, but I was able to just like, okay, it is what it is. And like one of the first aid stations, I grabbed my, my iPad and was trying to find it. And of course I couldn't find it. It never found it. Somebody stole it. And, uh, but, oh. but I was able to overcome that and, and flip that switch. And so so you're out there in the middle of the race though. And you're like, Hey, drop bag, no drop bag. So, so, you know, I mean, you got some pretty, like you gotta, this, that's your stuff, you know, that's what you planned. You, you go through all this, you know, when you do these 200 milers, we know you go, you, you plan everything you got to, you can't just wing it, you know, you need your stuff and you need it when you need it. And so how did you, how did you, what did you do in your head? Like, okay, this is not what I planned. And because you can dwell on that junk and it can ruin your race. How did you reframe that in your mind? And what did you, what did you physically do to, to, to get by? So there were actually other people, because again, I'm picky with my nutrition. There were actually other people out on the trail. I shared my story, you know, where they didn't have my drop bag, the last aid station. So I don't have my nutrition here. I have some, and they would give me some of theirs or, Hey, if you get to the next aid station before I get there, go to this drop bag, grab you know, nutrition, socks, whatever you need. Oh, so man. ultra runners are the get what you want, get what you need. Um, so yeah, I, and I did have crew at uh, one of the aid stations. <laughs> one of the crew got a flat tire, um, but he was helping both of us. Anyway, it was, a, a, I'll just call it a show yeah. the first couple days of Cocodona. But yeah, eventually find all my drop bags and add all my stuff. But yeah, ultra runners are like, yeah, just take mine. <laughs> I, I have more than enough, which I'm the same way when I'm out on the trail. I lots of salt tabs, lots of naproxen, Tylenol. You see a runner laying on the side. What do you need? I probably yeah. have it in my pocket. I can give you some. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely love that. I've I've been the the giver and the recipient plenty of times, and it's just what we do, you know. You, we're, we're competing against each other, but I want you to succeed too. I want you to get to the finish line. And we take care of each other. And that's, I think that's different from most road races to have that, that mindset. And, uh, you know, Hey, let's face it. We're, we're in, what we do is, is it's, it's extra tough. And I mean, you've been in the hospital a few times after these races, there's some danger involved too, like long lasting danger if we don't take care of each other. And so that's a beautiful thing. <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. For sure. 
Yeah. So I'm I'm looking through here and I see all the races. I see the Moabs. I see you have a race on here. What is what is the Crown of Crest hundred? I never heard of that one. What is that race? So that's actually a new one in Nebraska. Mindy is the race director. Oh, cool. So yeah, this is first well, I guess it's not the first hundred mile race in Nebraska because we had the Cowboy Hundred. But it's the first one on a real trail. Okay. So it's in Fremont, Nebraska. I think last year they may have had like a last man standing event. And then this year they changed it to a hundred mile distance. And then they also have a 13 hour, I think like Lucky 13, I think is another one of the races they have at the same time. Nice. Oh, okay. It's a cool award. I should... <laughs> it, 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 Oh, really? That's, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. No, no, that's cool because I had I hadn't heard of that, and well, that's why it's it's, it's fairly new, and uh, that's cool. Yep. Well, I'm glad I'm glad we got to plug that for Mindy, man, because I know a lot of people are looking for trying to do hundreds in every state. Well, there you go. Yeah, and this one is a true trail hundred. It's not a rails to trail flat hundred. There's gotcha. hills. Gotcha. Cool. Cool. All right. So before we get to your 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 little jaunt across Nebraska, we we need to talk about the Hard Rock. Talking about hard races, Jody likes hard races. Jody gets into hard hard rock one hundred. So, how, tell me about the process of you. You got in. How'd you get in? Uh, yeah. So with hard rock, you have to run a qualifying race. I believe it's every other year. So your qualifier is good for two years. So I started throwing my name in the hat in twenty sixteen when I finished Run Rabbit. Okay. And it's one of those races where you think I'll never get in, similar to Western States, I'll never get in. I'll keep throwing my name, but you know. Yeah. So when my name got drawn, I was like, oh God, what did I do? <laughs> hey, oh crap. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think I was actually going to get in. Oh God. So here's me, you know, from Nebraska, you know, walking into, you know, the start lines, like, oh, from Nebraska, that that's cute. So. I actually, because I do struggle with the altitude, I rented an altitude tent and nice. slept in it six weeks. And I really think it made a huge difference. Like I said, at Leadville, I struggled and that went up to, I think the whole past, is it 12.5? So at Hard Rock, you go above 13,000, I think like eight times. And you even do a 14er in there. So I was so scared. I did not get sick at all. I, I, I did lose a naked juice at one aid station, but I don't think it was due to the altitude. <laughs> but yeah, I highly recommend if you struggle in the altitude to try the altitude tent, try sleeping in it. But I didn't know this at the time. I didn't find out until after the race. I was chasing cutoffs the whole race and nobody told me. Why? <laughs> Why didn't they tell you? Yeah, I'm glad they did. Because I think I would have been super stressed out about it. Okay. So, yeah, I was like within the, the, the 6 a.m. cutoff range for I, the whole race, I guess. But it wasn't till, I don't know, maybe four hours before cutoff, Mindy finally told me. Said, so if you want to finish this race under 48 hours, you're going to have to pick it up. Like, oh God, I thought that I was. So yeah, I just started running as much as I could and tripping and falling and, and whatever. It, it, 
finish line. That was the hardest race ever. I I need to see videos of how the fast people do that race because have you been out there on the course, David? I haven't. I haven't been on the hard rock course, no. Oh, gosh. So there, it, I can't remember which aid station it was before, but there was a section that goes straight up and it was all covered in scree. So there was no like running up. We were, Mindy and I were on all fours, like trying to climb up and you would like grab onto these rocks and you would just start sliding back down. Oh, we could not think. You'd have to find like a big, and it was, of course, dark. It was at night when we're, yeah. all you could do is like shine your light and look for something that you knew wasn't going to move and try and grab onto that and then look up, find the next thing to grab. It was insane. I mean, my legs were just covered in blood um, from all the rocks trying to get up that one mountain. So I need to see how you're supposed to do it, like in the daylight. Yeah. Oh, it was there was a lot of snow, but the snow actually helped in those sections because at least there were footprints. It was almost like stair yeah. getting up the mountain on the ground. So it was easier to navigate on the snow than it was on the scree. And I couldn't imagine. So we did it counterclockwise. I couldn't imagine having to come down going clockwise, going down that section and, yeah. and not just roll like a ball down the mountain. It was I mean, I know, I know it's tough because it's hard rock. I've heard of it and stuff, but I didn't, I didn't realize, you know, I knew it was a lot of climbing and stuff, but I didn't realize you were, you, oh. there was scree sections and stuff. That's crazy. Oh, there were scree. Yeah. And, and then there were a couple snowy sections that had a rope. So like you're climbing up, holding onto a rope. And I had, you know, Casey Liptide? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. She was one of my pacers. So she's like right behind me dangling from the rope. I'm like, I cannot let go of this rope or I am taking Casey down with me. That wouldn't at all. You'd be the, you'd uh, be the runner that killed Lacey, Casey Lickton. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. So that was scary too. Just, yeah. I don't know if I'll do that one again. It, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, uh, yeah, no, that that that's pretty awesome though. That but you got it done. Like you figured it out and you yeah. you got it you got it done. Like you kept moving forward. Okay, the coach in me has a question. You you did the the altitude tent. Did you find this is kind of a training question. Did you find that sleeping in the altitude tent did it mess with your because it's another stressor on your body sleeping in low oxygen. Did it did it mess with your training any or or, or you know cause any other adverse reactions when you're doing that? I was a little more fatigued during training, yes. And I actually had a, what do they call it, a pulse oximeter that I would check my O2 levels in the morning and it would be like 81, 82. It would be super low in the morning. As the weeks went on and I would check it in the morning, it'd be like 87, 88. So it's like my body was getting better with the lower oxygen levels in the tent. So I could, you know, physically see it with the pulse oximeter and then yeah being out there not getting sick at 13 14,000 feet made a big difference but yeah it, it did make me tired did you do it uh, you did it every night yes yep six weeks straight wow okay and did you get the one that just kind of fits over your upper body uh over the bed or or how your whole bed whole bed yeah it took over my whole bed. 
Yeah, it looked crazy in my room. My son came by. He's like, what in the world is that? Well, I'm sleeping this my next race. You've lost your Can you start calling you bubble, bubble girl or something? Yeah. Yes, that's exactly what it looked like. Yes, I was the bubble girl. <laughs> hey, but but it, but it but it worked. You did what you had to do. You know, you did, the, yeah, it worked. So so let me ask you this, because I I did. You know, I added you on on, on Strava to kind of look around a little bit, and because I wanted to look at at what you know your your Nebraska trek. And so when you're training for for some of these races, especially you know some of these mountain races, these two hundreds where there's ups and downs and stuff. What kind of what kind of I don't know, what kind of training are you doing? Are you doing period, periodized training? And what kind of mileage are you peaking at? So I have a coach. So okay. I do what she tells me. I do not deviate. Nice. And it depends where I'm at in the training cycle. It could be anywhere from 70 to 100 miles a week. So during the week, it'll be somewhere between, I don't know, 8 and 12 miles, Monday to Thursday. Friday's always a rest day. Saturday, she just gives me time. It'll be like, you know, seven hours on Saturday, six hours on Sunday, something yeah. like that. As I get close to the race, obviously, sometimes there's a little bit of a taper. It's, uh, I lost my train of thought already. <laughs> yeah, if you look at my Strava now, you'll see I've done nothing for the last week. Uh, and it's driving me bonkers. She said, I can run tomorrow for 30 minutes. I'm hoping it goes really well and I get to run, run, run more than 30 minutes after tomorrow. But yeah, I'm kind of losing my mind. Well, you got to recuperate. You don't want to live. So mean. But but you're putting, I mean, you're, that's that's quite a considerable amount of, of, of miles in time. I mean, and but you you seem to absorb it. Are you, have since you went, gone to ultra distance and, and running on dirt more, have you, how have your injuries been over these past few years? So since I hired a coach, which I've had the same coach since 2017, I have not had an injury. Nice. Multiple stress fractures, tibial in my fibula, in my heel. And I think again, it's because we all just train too fast. Yeah. And that was the first thing learned from her is to slow down. So if you look at my Strava, my God, Jody sure is slow. Yeah, I do train slow, but let's race. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and, and that's one of the things I've changed a little bit more. You know, I coach others and, you know, even when you do that, you don't, you tell others, but you don't necessarily do it yourself all the time, you know? And uh, but I've training a lot slower this time, this go round for Moab and just getting out and getting the miles done. And I'm not stressing over speed or any of that, you know, just getting out there and getting it done. And, you know, I think, I think my body's going to, going to thank me for it a lot more. So, <laughs> yeah. I think so too. You know, as we get older, yes, we want longevity. I think it's important to do that. Um, yeah. That's how we're going to, we'll have, we'll, we'll keep beating the young people. That's it. That's right. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> well, well, let's, let's talk about this, this, the reason that you've had to take off this past week, because it's been kind of fun watching you make a trek across Nebraska. And one of the reasons I wanted to see the route you took. And so, you know, that's why I was getting on your Strava and looking to see, did she go up? I don't even know. Did she go up and down and, or, and I was like, or did she just start right there in Texas where it's short? I think, no, no, she went all the way from Wyoming, all the way across. Like you did the, you did the real deal. And so 
talk, talk, what, why do this? Why do this? Why run across Nebraska, Jody? So we'll backtrack a year ago. So on August 31st, 2022, I lost my 19 year old son to carbon monoxide poisoning. Mm. He was at his friend's house between classes. They were just in the basement playing video games. And his friend's dad came home. And I don't know if he accidentally left his truck running in the garage or if he hit the start in his pocket, you know, on his car remote, if he accidentally started the car in the garage. But anyway, all three of them and their family dog passed away of carbon monoxide poisoning. Oh, man. So when that happened, a lot of people reached out to me because I was very vocal when it happened. You know, everybody, please check your carbon monoxide detectors. Make sure your parents have them. Make sure your children have them. Yeah. And I had a lot of people respond. I never even thought of this. I didn't have a carbon monoxide detector until now, or I checked the batteries and the batteries were dead. Yeah. It was just, it was a lot of people that it wasn't top of mind for them. So combine that with the boys' friends decided they would like to build a skate park to honor Cole and his friend Thomas because they both skateboard. Yeah. And of course that costs money. So I thought, how in the world can we raise money for the skate park? And how in the world can we spread the word about carbon monoxide poisoning so that no other family has to deal with this kind of loss? And I thought, well, the only thing I can do is run. So I came up with this idea to maybe run across the state of Nebraska. So I reached out to some people and I said, hey, what do you think about, you know, doing something like this? Oh, that's all on the highway. I don't, I don't know. And I, well, that's kind of the point. I want <laughs> people to wonder what in the world crazy girl doing running down the highway. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, and of course, Mindy was on board. I talked to some more friends. They were on board. It's like, okay, well, let's do this. Let's run across the state of Nebraska, raise awareness of carbon monoxide poisoning, and we'll raise funds to build a skate park. So that's kind of where the idea started. So on August 21st, which was my birthday, we all drove out to close to the Wyoming border to start the run. Well, on the way out there, side note, we stopped. I, I will not say where, but we stopped for food. Mindy got carbon, or she got food poisoning. Oh, no. Oh, gosh the night before we started and then the morning of she's like okay I'm gonna run with you I'm gonna run with you I was like okay so we started the Wyoming border I don't know four something in the morning it was supposed to be stupid hot that day like yeah. 100 degrees we started yeah. as early as possible and after about 13 miles of her dealing with her food poisoning issues she had to bow out for a bit so I had to run on my own first day and I get lost everywhere at Moab and I did four extra miles. And I think, oh, who is the Goggins? It's the yeah. same spot that God had missed his turn. Oh, so I did okay. four extra miles. So everywhere I go, I have to have the map on my watch or I'm going to get lost. Sure enough, I lost day one trying to run across Nebraska. So I text. Mindy and Lori and said, hey, I think I'm off course. And I sent them a picture of the map. Sure enough, I am. 
So she's like, well, turn on this gravel road and I'll get you back down to the highway. And it did. But she went back and looked. And I guess that the turn that I missed, that highway had no shoulder. So there would not have been a safe way for me to navigate that section that I missed. Nice. Obviously, somebody was watching out for me and not letting me make the the correct turn onto the highway where there was no work safety. And then also on that day, Mindy was back with me again. She was feeling better. So we're going down the highway and I'm like, oh my God, Mindy, I think I'm going to get sick. And just as I start to say that, I'm like down on my hands and knees, getting sick on the side of the highway. And it's, it's a hundred degrees. There's not a tree in sight to get shade. There's just nothing. So I know it's, you know, heat exhaustion. So as I go down, the lady like comes pulling up in a truck super fast and opens the door. And she says to Mindy, she's like, oh, this happened to my husband uh, a couple days ago. I know exactly what this is. You know, it's heat exhaustion, you know, and Mindy said, well, let's get her in the truck. So I get in the truck. She's got the air conditioner on me. What in the world are you doing out here? So, okay. Here's my story. So I shared my story with her and I said, do you have carbon monoxide detectors? And she said, actually, no, I took them down because the batteries were dead. And I said, okay, well, will you please put those back up? Obviously, you know, this, this, this happens to people. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously she was there to take care of me. And then I was there to remind her, put up those carbon monoxide detectors. And then, gosh, the next day we stopped for dinner after we were in Oshkosh, Nebraska, went into a restaurant to have dinner and this truck, we're all sitting at a table and this trucker comes up to us and say, Hey, I saw you guys on the highway like six or seven times. What are you doing? (laughs) And then I said, do you have a carbon monoxide detector? And he's like, I honestly don't know. He said, that's my wife. He said, I'm a trucker. I will have to ask her. And I said, well, please do because, you know, you should. And I said, do you have one in your truck? And he said, no. And I said, do you sleep in your truck? And he said, yes. They're like 30 bucks on Amazon. Get yourself a carbon monoxide detector and put it up. Save your life. So, yeah, every time I go into the gas station, which there's a lot of them between uh, Wyoming and Iowa, I would be like, hey, are you a trucker? Do you have a carbon monoxide detector? So, yeah, I was out there spreading the word. I also called. Several of the fire departments, because I know here in Omaha, if you don't have a carbon monoxide detector, if you can't afford one or you can't put it up, you can reach out to the fire department. They'll come put one in for you. Nice. So I called the fire departments, you know, around the rural areas on the route and they all do the same thing. So there's no excuse to not have a carbon monoxide detector, especially older people. There was actually, sadly, a death this weekend, a woman who was over the age of 90, who passed away of carbon monoxide poisoning. She probably couldn't get, put one up in her apartment. Yeah. But people that we need to make sure that they have one, everybody has one. Nice. Well, you know, Jody, when I saw what you were doing and I read, you you know, the the story, honestly, I know we have one in one area of the house, like in the back corner, but we need another one. And so like, I just want you to know, we're getting another one here because we don't, (laughs) you know, like, you know, it's a real it it's like you said, thirty bucks on Amazon, simple simple yeah. deal, and and it doesn't take anything but change the batteries every so often, you know, and and check that. I even travel with one, so I've got one. You just pop the battery out, throw it in your suitcase, and then when you get where you're going, put the battery back in. So if you're in a hotel, they may not have carbon monoxide detectors, especially if you go to another country. 
Yeah. That way you know you're, you're safe. I, I think there's been poisonings in, in Mexico. People go down and stay at these fancy resorts. They don't require carbon monoxide detectors. And then, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I'm here to raise awareness. Well, well and I'll, so, so even on the first day, you're sick on the side of the road, but you got, <laughs> you got to tell yeah. it, you know? So when I saw you doing it and, and you said it was, you know, hot and I was thinking, oh my goodness, what a, what a, a tough, I know it's a lot of exposure out there and what a tough time to be doing it. But, and, and so what was your, what was your goal as far besides, besides, you know, raising money and awareness, but what was your goal to getting it done? How, how fast did you want to get it done? So I actually mapped out the, the number of miles per day that I wanted to run in order to get to Omaha on August 31st, which was the one year anniversary of losing the boy. So I started August 22nd and ran anywhere between 60 and I think 43 miles a day. So I actually, in the planning, I overshot it. Like if I, I summed up the days, it was more than 495 miles. And Mindy pointed that out like on day three, like I was yeah. running more miles than I needed to, which was good. Yeah. Because that meant I didn't have to run as much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I noticed your last day was a little bit shorter than the others. <laughs> yeah. So I was worried that the day that we were going to get into Omaha, then it was going to be like midnight because it was supposed to be like 60, 60 some miles, some insane number of miles. And it was hot that day. Um, so yeah, I ended up getting to Omaha about six or seven in the afternoon, which was a good time. Um, but yeah, each day the pace got slower and yeah. slower, made it hard because I needed the time to sleep at night to recover, but also to be alert because you're running on the highway Yeah, where, you know, some people see you and they're very courteous and they move over and some people don't see you at all. Even I, I was, you know, lit up at you know, when it was dark and I had, you know, my, my bright yellow vest on and some people were truly mean and like would flash the lights at me and like cross the white line to scare me. And, you know, oh, so we had, it it is terrible when people would do that. We'd raise our arms up and we're just being really obnoxious so that everybody knew what a jerk they were being. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah. So, and then it, it was, I did not, take in one gel or one chew the entire time it was all real food a lot of naked juice yeah but at the end of the day is when i would try and eat as many calories as possible so i'd lay on the bed we'd have you know ice all over my legs you know my my ice bath and trying to eat as much as i could because i was in such a calorie deficit yeah uh i don't know if you've ever done the key keto diet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't know this, but when your body goes into ketosis, you get like this metal or alkaline taste in your mouth. Yep. Yep. So that went in on day four and Mindy <clears throat> was the one telling me the people that do the keto diet, they know what this is. They know what this tastes like. This is the worst thing ever. I would do the keto <laughs> uh, And eat now, I mean, a week later, it's more so like if I if I'm walking the dog or I'm doing something where I'm kind of exerting myself, I can still taste that alkaline. I don't know how you how you do that. Keep 
that taste, but man. What? But yeah, that was one of the hardest things about going that kind of distance is just the calories, getting getting enough calories in, keep yeah. your body moving. Did you, did you, I mean, cause, okay, you've done the 250 miles and stuff before, but this is, you know, this is double what you, what you've done before. And so did you find, okay, you're doing, you did ice baths, you're doing your, you know, the calories and do, I guess you got like a hotel every night or something like that. Is that what you yeah. were doing? Okay. Yep. We had a hotel every night, either donated by the hotel or by points or friends had offered to cover the hotel for us. Cause we thought about camping, just sleeping outside, but when it's a hundred degrees and your body needs to recover, we decided like, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and the amount of time you, you need to be able to just get comfortable and just try to rest. I mean, get some good solid eat and then get a good hard night, you know, or whatever hours of sleep that you can to run the next yeah. day. Did you find, okay, you you said it's, you, you slowed down, which is completely understandable. Did you find like after, I don't know, four or five days that your body kind of got in a rhythm with what it was doing? Yes. Yeah, yep, it definitely did. The first I don't know, three or four days, my body's like, oh, this is real dumb. You, you know, tried to rebel, but then it's like, okay, okay this, this is life now. This, yeah. this is what we do every day. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it did get better. There were a couple of days where I just had no energy, where it got a little harder just throughout the entire day. But yeah, for the most part, my body got used to it, especially kind of towards the end. The last day from Lincoln to Omaha, I was actually able to run quite a bit at a, know, a decent pace. It was probably 11 or 12 minute mile. Definitely no eight or nines in there, but yeah, yeah, it did get better as the days went on. My body got used to it. Did you do, would you just like, you know, standard kind of ultra thing where when you get really burnt out and tired, you just kind of, you know, run a little bit, walk a little bit, run a little bit, walk a yeah. little bit. Cause it's pretty, I mean, yeah. I'm guessing it was all flat. <laughs> yeah. So especially in the heat of the day, that's what I would do. So I would start out just, you know, running the whole thing until like maybe around mile 20. And then I'd be like, okay, so I would, you know, walk for a minute and then run for 10. Yeah. And then eventually, okay, walk for two minutes and run for eight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That first day when I got sick, Mindy's like, you're not running at all anymore the rest of the day. So I had to walk the rest of the day and I had to carry an umbrella because she didn't get sick anymore. But after the first day, it wasn't, it never got up to a hundred after the first day. I think it was like 96, 97, the days following that. Gotcha. But yeah, I definitely turned into a run and walk kind of interval. I, I did see the picture of you with the umbrella and I did fight, fight, fight the, uh, the urge to type something about Mary Poppins or something. I don't know. I, oh yeah. I'm like, you're really going to send me out an umbrella. It's like, you need shade. You need. <laughs> yeah. And I'm white. So I also went through a ton of sunblock, hated the sunblock application. Cause I really feel like they put it in the cooler just to make it cold to torture me and have fun torturing me with the ice cold sunblock. But I never get some. They were trying to cool you down, Jody. It was to help you. Oh, hated it. I like it hot. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Well, and so you go through this, and I mean, you, you, you know, you. It's tough, even though your body gets in a groove. You're having to will yourself to do it. I, there's no, you know, I don't, I, I don't think anybody's under the illusion that like day five, day eight was like super easy because you know it's just all you, you just push through. 
when you finally, you know, especially with all this, what it represents, you know, when you finally got to the the border there and you've crossed Nebraska 400, you said 495 miles. How, how, how was, tell me, tell me what that felt like emotionally. So it was, it was a lot of emotion. I mean, for multiple reasons, it was a one year anniversary of my son. I had just run 495 miles across the state of Nebraska, and I was still standing. When I got to Burke, there were about 100 people there waiting for me. That's so cool. Which, yeah, it was amazing. I wasn't expecting that that many people there. I mean, it just shows all the support that I have for my friends and family. And it, yeah, it was overwhelming. It It was just the best feeling having them all there. Uh, but yeah, it was a super emotional day and I knew it was going to be a hard day. And that's kind of another reason. I, I mean, I had plenty of good reasons to run across the state, but that was another reason to run across the state at this time, because I knew that was going to be a difficult day. Yeah. And had I not done it, I probably would have been a recluse and stayed in my house and, yeah. you know, not talk to anybody and just you know, hid from the world for the day. Yeah. And you know, for some people that's that's how they deal with it. And for me, I wanted I, I just don't want it to happen to anybody else. So that was the best way for for me to spend that day. And then well obviously the 10 days. Yeah. Well I would say Jody that you you handled it like we what we have to do with in ultras. You take you take we take tough situations and we try to make the best of it and we try to do it and and I'll just say this, I mean, from my perspective, outside looking in, I think, you know, you did something really hard, but something, something that meant something and to honor your son, you know, you're, you're making, trying to make good out of it and, and, and helping others. And, and you preach the gospel of the carbon monoxide detectors yep. all the way. And, you know, I hope people listening, check their carbon monoxide, you know, d- listen to, listen to Jody, you know. And so what is beautiful, what a beautiful thing, you know, to, to do, to honor that and make something good out of it. And so, so kudos and and congratulations on getting that done. That was, that was awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I really hate that. So yeah, there's a a FKT out there. If anybody wants to chase it, it's there. (laughs) So, so, so you did get the FKT then. Yeah, yeah, I did submit it, and it it is. They only allow, I didn't know this, but they only allow one per state. Oh, really? I didn't know that. One across the state per state. Okay. It is hard as possible. (laughs) Yeah. Well, do they do, do they do across like vertical and horizontal or just one, just one across anyway? Yeah. When I looked at, at the website, it made it sound like there's just one per state. But yeah, you could potentially go north to south, but I don't know if that would still be called an across the state FKT or or how that would work. But yeah, mine was westy. Okay, all I, right. But a lot shorter, but it's there now. If somebody wants to tackle it. <laughs> <laughs> I think if they do it, they might not do it during the summer. <laughs> Probably not the third week in August. Yeah, yeah it was. Yeah. And the grasshoppers on the other side of the state are the size of frogs. So they were like over the highway. And I thought, man, they should have a lot of frogs out here for it being so dry. And then as the sun came up, started, and then the bugs came out like, oh, God, those are not frogs. Those are grasshoppers. That's that's crazy. It's a plague, a plague going on or something. (laughs) 
Uh, they like to jump on you and they stick to you. Or, oh, yeah, they're nasty. Uh, well, 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 Jody, okay, you did, you've done, you've had a, I mean, you've done all these amazing things. You just ran across Nebraska. I have to ask the question, you know, because I'm, because I want to know, I do see Hitchcock on here. I knew that was going to be on there, but what else is next? What's, what's next for you? What's the next challenge you want to tackle? Oh, uh, you know, I'm going to say this and I'll probably never get in bad water. Nice. I really want to get into bad water. Okay. Yeah, I did go out and pace it last year, which improves your chances of getting in. Yes, yes. And hot races improves your chances of getting in. Mm -hmm. So we'll see. I'm going to try. Otherwise, I don't know. I've got the Chicago Marathon coming, Boston Marathon in 2024, Coca-Dona 2024. Okay. But yeah, we'll see. Yeah, that no, that's pretty awesome, you know, and and you know, you've got to, you got to have those kind of things on your resume. You know, there's the honey badger that's right there in Kansas. That that's, that's a good one to to do. One of my runners that I'm coaching, he's trying to get into his long-term goal is he's young is to get into, to get into do bad water too. And so he just got into hurt. And so we're training him for the hurt 100. And so, Ooh. you know, go to Hawaii and, you know, hurt, but, but anyway, I, I'll be rooting for you, man. I hope you can get in. I mean, what a, what a, uh, oof, that's something. <laughs> well, I might be reaching out to runner if I do, because then he can come out and help me and that will improve his odds of getting in the future too. Ex exactly. And that's one of the things I told him, I was, you know, I said, we need to start, start figuring out what you to get you, you got to get out there and, and crew somebody. So we need to start putting feelers out. Yep. And, and cause I had a friend that asked me, my friend Walker Higgins did it. And he said, Hey man, I need a crew. Do you, you ever, you ever want to do bad water? And I was like, well, my wife won't let me. And so, <laughs> so get somebody else to crew. He's like, all right, if you need me, I'll be there. But if get somebody that, that, that's potentially going to run it, you know? So. And after being out there, I, why it's, it's complicated, like crewing and, and pacing runners. Cause there are no aid stations. They're a hundred percent relying on you. So I understand why they do it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've got to, you've got to, got to under, got to know the, the deal. And so, yeah, I understand a hundred percent. So, uh, cool, man. I'll be, I'll be rooting for you and hoping, you know, hoping you can figure that out and, and get yourself in there. Anything I can do to help along the way, let me know. Well, well, Jody, it's been, it's been great finally getting to, to see you, I guess, face to face, you know, over the, over the internet here. And I, I love watching what you're doing. I like that you're out there doing hard stuff. I love the, the attitude. Every time I see a picture of you, uh, you know, you're smiling, you know, and I know you're suffering, but, and you surround yourself by some fantastic people and man, Nebraska does have a, a fantastic ultra community from everybody that I've met out there, Ron and, and, and Mindy and, and, you know, Casey's out there. I mean, just fantastic, solid people. And so, man, what a great state. I need to go run a race out there so I can go get smoked by you guys. And so anyway, thank you for, 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 for coming on here. And I hope you get into bad water and, you know, we'll get you on again to talk about that. Good. Thank you. I will definitely do again. I, good luck at OAB. Thank you. I, I got to get redemption. So I appreciate that. 